Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now it's time to listen to this week's message. Well, it's week four of this series, Multiply, and it's not the last week of the series. So we are in a five-week month, and uh, what a great, great day to be alive in Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. I just pray that the joy of your salvation, if it's not already been bubbling up in your life, that it would uh, be restored unto you. And for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And what a joy to know Jesus. It is such, such an humbling reality. When you walk through the community with eyes wide open of the amount of lost people and those who don't even know they're lost and those who know they're lost and don't care that they're lost, to then in that reality know that the grace of God has reached you in Christ Jesus. What a dynamic tension it is following Jesus when you want to see the multitudes come to know the love and the mercy and the awestruck wonder of our mighty King Jesus. And yet, we can't make people see. We can't make people see. And yet, we have a role. A role to trust in God. A role to say, God, here I am. Breathe upon us, breathe upon this community. Lord, we are here in position for you to do what only you can do, but we obey what we know to obey, and we wait on you to lead and to guide and do the rest. Amen? And I just today know for me personally and my family and and my wife and I and what God's put in us, I just have such a witness of the Spirit today just reminding that When you think things are done or you think you've reached a peak, God's called to so much more. So much more fruitfulness is what I'm talking about. More fruitfulness because the Bible says, Jesus said, that fruitfulness gives God glory. And I want God to be glorified on the earth. How about you? Well, I got to get started because there's uh, all kinds of things going off on the inside of me. But the main assignment today is week four. Week four here in the series of Abraham. Pastor Craig, one of my probably top five uh, messages of his thus far uh, last week. Um, What a great look of really a theme of missional stewardship and how surrender comes into that. And um, I'm going to pick up today with the message titled Blessed and Broken. Will you say that with me? Blessed and broken. If you don't have a sermon card, you can raise your hand and you will be given one now. And um, last time I was with you, which was two Sundays ago, preached a message titled, A Mission, A Moment, and a Method. A mission, a moment, and a method that before we arrived, God had a mission. It would be wise for us to submit, to have submission to His mission. When we do, we position ourselves to have aha moments. Moments where God gives revelation, where God speaks, where God creates faith in our life. Where Abram had an aha moment that God moved him from being Abram to Abraham. And yet then God has a method He wants to lead us through. I want to focus on that last part today. I want to look at the theme today of a method. The method of God. Let's go to Genesis 21, beginning in verse 32. I want to say uh, how wonderful the worship team did today. and uh, Esther also did very, very well. She, she, oh, she is there. I was about to say she's missing her moment. With that, with that song, you did great, Esther, with that song and Tony and the rest of the team. And so grateful for everyone who has a role in 
putting on Sunday gatherings. It's such a joy to, to see people position themselves for what God wants to do in them and through them. Amen? It's, it is about the bigger corporate thing, but also as you're faithful with God and the role He's asked you to do, He's doing something in you so that He can position you to do more fruit through you. And that's the joy I see when people are yielding to the method of God. The method of God. But in Genesis 21, beginning in verse 32, I want to read into chapter 22 some verses. But there in Genesis 21, beginning in verse 32, Thus they, this being Abraham and Abimelech, made a covenant at Beersheba. So Abimelech rose with Philcol, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of the Philistines. Then Abram planted a tamarisk tree. Some translations and scholars see in the Hebrew that it says a tamarisk grove. That means many trees. In Beersheba. And there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. The God that had a mission before we arrived, before we were even made. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines many days. Chapter 22, verse 1. Now it came to pass after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son, and he split the wood for a burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that what used to be far off has been brought near. That the fullness of your gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ and your kingdom is at hand. We thank you that now, Holy Spirit, you are calling people to press in to the kingdom, to be born again to be reconciled to their Creator. And Lord, I pray for those that have been reconciled that they would understand today by Your Holy Spirit that now in the kingdom You have a method. A method You want to lead them on for the goal of multiplication, for Your mission to advance. Holy Spirit, I thank You that You are absolutely speaking and dealing and communicating to hearts and minds today. I yield to you. Make much of Jesus. Let us see him clear. Let, him, let us be more conscious of how near he is. We love you today. In Jesus' name, amen. In Genesis 12, God speaks to Abram and says to him, I will bless you, and you shall be a blessing. In Genesis 17, the Lord appeared to Abram and said, And I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Can we all agree today up front that Abraham was blessed? He was a blessed man. God had swore and promised based on his own authority, based on his own character, based on the fact that God cannot lie that he would bless Abram. Abraham was blessed. But on the path towards the destination that God had for him, the destination of multiplication, he had to be broken. See, it's one thing to be blessed. It is another thing to be blessed and broken. And that is a must. If we want to walk in God's high calling for our life for multiplication. We're going to see today that it is a must to not just be blessed, but to be blessed and broken. If we want to see and experience multiplication. 
Let me talk to you about being blessed and broken. The Apostle Paul picks up on this issue in his letter to the Roman believers. In Romans chapter 4 and verse 5, you can follow along on the screens with me. Paul in his letter said, But to him who does not work but believes on him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is accounted for righteousness. That's good news. Just as David also describes the blessedness of the man to whom God imputes righteousness apart from works. Blessed are those whose lawless deeds are forgiven and whose sins are covered or cleansed. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only? The Jew who circumcised? Or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe. Though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to those who not only are of the circumcision, watch this, but who also walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. What Paul is saying is he's saying that when was Abraham blessed? Was he only blessed after he was circumcised? Or was he blessed before he was circumcised? He was blessed before. Abraham was blessed before he was circumcised. But listen... After circumcised, though, he was blessed and more broken. See, it's one thing to be blessed. It's another thing to be blessed and broken. See, Abraham had now come to a point when he had experienced circumcision, which Paul calls the sign or the seal of the righteousness of the faith he had. His faith in God had now cut into his flesh. Abraham's faith in God had now cut into his self-dependency. Abraham's faith in God had now cut into his self-leaning. And Paul, looking back at Abraham's life and looking back at the method that God took Abraham through, he refers to this method that he was taken through by God as steps of faith. Notice that. And then Paul concludes that for those of us that are followers of Jesus Christ and born again today, that we likewise as believers are to walk in the steps of the faith which our father Abraham had. Notice he said that the steps of faith is the seal of the righteousness of the faith that Abraham already had. Meaning this, the steps of faith that God leads you through in His method for you is just the outward seal and the outward sign of the faith that you already have deposited on the inside of you. But God wants to lead you in this path towards multiplication through a method that requires you not just to be blessed, but to be blessed and broken so that the faith on the inside of you can be seen and revealed on the outside of you by following the Lord through steps of faith. Steps of faith. I mean, you can have, ladies, the best perfume, the most expensive perfume. You can get perfume when you're over in Paris or or wherever you think the highest quality perfume is, but as long as the perfume stays in that bottle and it's not pressed upon and it's not sprayed upon, then people can experience the aroma and the quality of what's in the bottle. 
I'm telling you today that you are blessed because you are of the seed of Abraham if you are in Christ. Because Christ is the seed and he's on the inside of you. But it's a whole other thing to not just be blessed, but to be blessed and broken. Where people now can see on the outside of your life the result of the faith you have in your God. That there's been a cutting away. A cutting away of you depending upon your own ability. See, there are to be steps of faith that lead to being blessed and broken, not just blessed. It's incredibly interesting to me that Abraham saw the same thing. The same thing that we just read that Paul was looking back to. That Paul was calling Abraham's steps of faith. The outward sign of the faith he already had even before he took the first step of trust and faith of being circumcised in obedience to God. That when Abraham in the moment of hearing God and having God appear to him and God leading him through this process, that Abraham in the moment, he didn't see it so much as steps of faith. He saw it as he states in Genesis 20 and 13. Watch this. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house. Paul sees it as steps of faith. Abraham in the moment sees it as God causing me to wander. You ever heard of all the people now talking about wanderlust? Well, what about some wander love? What about some wander love of God? That you have fallen so in love with God, Almighty God, everlasting God, as revealed in the person of Jesus Christ, that you might feel like in this season, or for the last ten seasons, or for the last three years, you've been caused to wander, but it's your love for what God has for you, and how God wants to get glory out of you, and how God wants multiplication to be experienced in your life, that it's your love for God that's causing you to wander. It's not a wander lust, it's a wander love. It's my love for God that's caused me to wander. He's caused me to wander because He's taking me through a method and a process and a path that I never would have chose for myself, but He knows the path that He has before for me to do what needs to be broken and formed in me so that multiplication can happen through me for His glory. Can I hear an amen? Calls to wander are steps of faith. It's the same thing. But oftentimes some of you in the moment because your emotions are so high and things seem so difficult, you see it as if you're just wandering, that God's causing you to wander, that you can't get a complete sense on what God's doing, where God's taking you, what God's leading you, what God's doing in the business, how God is positioning you, transitioning you to a place of leadership. And you feel like you're being caused to wander, but can I tell you that other people around you don't see it as if you're wandering and lost. They see it as steps of faith, that you are trusting in Almighty God, that when you got born again, He prepared beforehand, good works for you and he's leading you even when it's 11 day journey he might lead you away because he knows the best way to prepare you for his high calling of multiplication wandering steps are faith steps and whether you recognize they are steps of faith or you call it being caused to wander listen it is significant at such times to be all eyes in all ears. I'm reminded of the times you hear a teacher. We have many teachers in our community. As a teacher seeks to teach children. And they say all eyes and all ears up here. All eyes and all ears up here. Well likewise when we are caused to wander by God. When we are caused to take some steps of faith. And trusting God. It is wise to be all eyes and all ears up here. Up where? God saying, up here. To be all eyes and all ears to your shepherd, to the Lord of your life. That when you feel like you're being caused to wander, to being asked to take great steps of faith, it is wise to be all eyes and all ears. This is what God does for Abraham. 
Because God knows the method He's going to take Abraham through and He wants Abraham to stay all eyes and all ears up there, up to God, up to the everlasting God, the God that He walks before. The God who keeps Abraham as the apple of his eye. So what does God do? He says, Abraham, do you see all the stars in the sky? And Abraham says, yes. He says, I want you, when you see stars, to hear my promises. I want you, as you walk, that all of your sight, all of your vision, all of your eyes sees and hears my promises. Abraham, as you take these steps of faith, when you walk with your sandals and when you walk with your your bare feet, I want you to feel the sand between your toes and I want you to remember that every step that fills the sand, it's a reminder of my promise of multiplication. All eyes, all ears, every step of faith, being reminded God's high calling, God's high calling for you of multiplication. Who's here today that needs to say to the Lord, God, I know I feel like I'm being caused to wander. I'm being asked to take some steps of faith and surrender and trust. But God, I'm all eyes and I'm all ears. See, here's what you need to understand. Don't just go through things. If you just go through things, then you're no different to the unbelievers that are not blessed. Who haven't had their lawless deeds and their transgressions forgiven and cleansed. Who have not been brought into a position of being in right standing with God. No, no, no. As a follower of Jesus, don't just go through things, but when you go through things, grow through them. See, listen... You want to grow through what you go through. You don't want just want to go through trials and don't just want to go through difficulties and go through hard places and go through cold seasons and go through very hot seasons. You don't just want to go through things. You want to grow through what you go through. Does anybody understand that God's got a method for you and in the method it's so that when you go through some things you can grow through those things that they will cause you to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Do you think Jesus Christ walked in God's multiplication? Absolutely. And you're called to be conformed to the same image. Multiply. Multiply. You might feel like God is causing you to wander But others around you, I'm telling you, be encouraged. Understand it to be steps of faith. It might not be leaps of faith. It might not be hurdles of faith. But nevertheless, they are steps of faith. Don't allow the devil to beat you up because you didn't take a great leap of faith. You need to rejoice that God's given you enough faith to take the first step of faith, to take the second step of faith. Don't allow yourself to be beat up because you don't feel like you're taking great hurdles of faith. Nevertheless, you're taking steps of faith, and a step of faith is a step in the right direction to where God has for you to multiply. It's a step towards the promise. It might not appear to be great progress. Nevertheless, it is progress. And if you don't learn to rejoice in the progress you are experiencing, how are you ever going to rejoice when you walk in the full promise God's given you? See, a step in the right direction of following the method of God is a good step. A step in the right direction of total surrender. A step in the right direction of full trust. A step in the right direction of confident expectation. And every step of faith is a step towards total surrender. A full trust. Confident expectation. And on the other side, listen to me. On the other side of that step is God stepping closer to people. See, you're thinking just on your own. Emotions and what you're dealing with. But you've got to understand, on the other step of that step of faith of trusting God, listen, is God stepping towards other people for His plan to multiply the seed of Christ and the fruit of Christ in you and through you. More stars. More sand. God, I'm all eyes, I'm all ears. Normally we think primarily of the Apostle Paul when it comes to the outworking and explaining of the method of God under the new covenant. But the apostle Peter, in his second letter, 
And chapter 1 speaks to this process, this method of God as well. Follow along with me in 2 Peter 1 and verse 2. Peter says, grace and peace be multiplied. Someone say multiplied. To you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. Remember we talked about two weeks ago, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. When you realize that you walk before Almighty God, that He had a mission beforehand, before you were born, before the events surrounding your birth, before you went through those things, before people talked about you, before you made wrong decisions, that God had a mission beforehand. When you get that knowledge, the fear of the Lord, grace and peace begins to be multiplied to you. It's the knowledge that He's Almighty God. As Abraham called Him, He's everlasting God. The knowledge that you walk before Him but He was before you. He continues on in verse 3, as His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Notice this. God has allowed us through the new birth to become a partaker of the divine nature. And then He's given us promises. All eyes, stars, sand as we take steps of faith to experience more of the divine nature in our life, to be more conformed to the image of Christ. Now watch this in verse 5. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence. As Proverbs says, diligence is a man's precious possession or a woman. A woman's precious possession. Watch this. Add to your faith. Peter says, God's got an end goal for you. The end goal he sets in the beginning of this passage and at the end in verse 9 through 11 as multiplication. And on your journey of following the Lord, he's going to lead you through a method. And this method is about you adding to your faith. This is adding to your aha moment. Some of you had an aha moment where God the Father revealed to you that Jesus isn't just a good man or a prophet, but He is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that He is the King of the kingdom, that He is Lord. And that aha moment, that revelation that the Father gave you from heaven, it created faith in your heart to trust in Jesus as King and Lord. But all along this journey... For some of you, you've had other aha moments. The Holy Spirit illuminated the Scripture. The Holy Spirit used the circumstance to speak to you. The Holy Spirit revealed to you who you are in Christ and the good works He's created for you. And that aha moment, listen, it created faith. But Peter says it's not just enough to have faith if you want to get to the promised land, if you want to get to the place of multiplication. You have to allow that God's ultimate high calling for you creates some diligence in you to add to your faith, add to your aha moment. See, aha moments create faith, but such faith must be added to. What does he say must be added to faith? Add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, to perseverance godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. He says you got to add to faith the method of God. The method that leads to multiplication. Add to faith what the Lord's table has set before us. That He's got other promises. He's got other provisions. He's got more grace to give you. And you need to add to the faith that you have. Because verse 8 says, For if these things are yours and abound, that means if you allow the method of God to add to your faith, you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. That means that you can have believers who have faith, but because they're not diligent to go through the method of God to add to their faith, they're unfruitful and useless with the knowledge that Jesus is King. I've determined that I've been through enough in life that at the end of my day, surely people ain't going to say, surely God's not going to say that He had the knowledge of Jesus Christ, but He never added to His faith and He was useless in this on the earth for my kingdom and my mission of multiplication. No, 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 no. And I believe God's called us to be a people. God's called us to be a church that says, no, 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 no. We're going to add to our aha moments the method of God, that we're going to move forward in God's mission for multiplication. 
He says, verse 9, for he who lacks these things is short-sighted. That means you've lost the end goal, the sight of the end goal. You've lost stars, promises, sand, feet, promises. Even to blindness, watch this, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his own sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. First, watch this. So an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly. That means you'll have a, an entrance filled with multiplication to the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See, you're blessed if you're born again. You have faith that Jesus is your righteousness, that because of His finished work, God has forgiven you of all transgressions. He's made you in right standing with Him. You didn't have to work for it. You didn't have to earn it. You are blessed because Jesus was broken for you and He was crucified, died, and rose again. But listen, you don't just need to be blessed. You need to be broken if you want multiplication. He says you got to add to your faith virtue. It's an interesting word in the Greek. It really means moral courage. you got to add to the faith that God's created in you moral courage. you got to add to the faith that God's given you bravery on the earth. That come hell and high water, I'm going to continue on the process and I'm going to follow the method of God. I'm going to trust Him and take the steps of faith He's requiring of me. Though it might hurt circumcision, though it might mess with my emotions, surrender Isaac. I am going to be all diligent to follow the Lord through the method because God's got a mission for multiplication. So you got to add to faith the character of a brave man. A brave woman. Listen, you got to add to those aha moments. A brave man. See, when I hear Abraham, I hear a brave man. When I hear Abraham, I hear a brave man. Abraham, a brave man. Abraham, a brave man. A brave man, Abraham. When I hear Abraham, I hear a brave man. Because he's a man that added to the faith that God created in his heart. Added moral courage. He became a brave man, Abraham. See, you got to add moral courage to the faith and aha moment has birth. Abraham, a brave man. I want you to leave what you know. I want you to go to a land, but I'm not giving you all the specifics. But Abraham, I need you to understand what Jesus said in John 7, 17. I need you to have a will to do God's will. I need you to go beyond the knowing of all the specifics and knowing all the routes and knowing all the seasons and knowing all the tests and knowing all the nuts and the bolts. I need you to get away from trying to know it all. I need you to get a wheel that's willing to do it all. I need a, a brave man, Abraham. See, when God, God, when He looks at you, He sees a brave man. He sees a brave woman. Why? Because he knows the substance of the faith he has created in you. He knows that when he gave you that aha moment and it created faith, he knows the substance of that faith. That in the substance of that faith is bravery. It's moral courage to be diligent to go after experiencing what God has promised and spoken and shown you. When God comes to Gideon, Gideon's hiding in a wine press. He feels insignificant. He feels like he is surrounded by an army he can never defeat. And God says, you mighty man of valor. See, when God gives you all whole moments, when God shows you who you are in Christ, when God reveals his promises for you, he knows that in the substance of that faith is bravery. God comes to Moses. Moses said, I can't speak, but God knows that aha moment, that burning bush, that in the substance of the faith God created in Abraham was bravery, moral courage. Listen, God doesn't tell us to trust Him in something He doesn't have bravery for. In Genesis 21 and 32, you see this bravery, this moral courage in Abraham. It said, thus they made a covenant at Beersheba. So Abimelech rose with Philco, the commander of his army, and they returned to the land of Philistines. Then Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba. And there called on the name of the Lord, the everlasting God. And Abraham stayed in the land of the Philistines many days. Watch this. Abraham finds a person of peace. But not just a person of peace in the land he's in. He finds a person of peace who has made it through a test for division. There was conflict between 
the, the people of this person of peace and Abraham's people, but they make it through the conflict. So it's not just a person of peace, but it's a person of peace where they've made it through a test for division. Then watch what Abraham does after that. He plants. He plants a tamarisk tree. Notice that. Tamarisk. Tamarisk, risk, 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 risk tree. Tamarisk. See, Abraham understands if there's no risk, there's no reward. Little risk leads to little reward, but a great risk leads to great reward. Great trust in Almighty everlasting God leads to great reward of multiplication when you enter the full manifestation of His kingdom on that day when Jesus returns. See, this is risk. This is moral courage. This is bravery added to His faith. It means that Abraham believed what God spoke to him about the land and Abraham said, we're going to be here for a while, therefore let's plant some tamarisk trees. See, that's great risk. Why? It's risk when you plant a tree because you don't actually plant the tree. Let me say it again. It's a risk when you plant a tree because you don't really plant a tree. You plant a seed that you pray for, care for, watch over, hope for, beg God for, ask mercy for, that will become a tree. That's called risk. Risk. Risk that the years of watering it, tending it, cultivating it will lead to a reward. It's great risk. Abraham's saying, I believe what God's spoken to me, therefore I'm going to plant a tamarisk tree. I'm going to plant a seed. And while it's not yet the tree, and though it's going to take time, and it's going to take attention, and it's going to take diligence, and it's going to take care, there is my faith that leads to me adding moral courage. Watch this. To be a part of something that the end will surpass the beginning. Something that eventually the reward will come from the risk. See, listen, maybe you've not heard of a tamarisk tree, but it's an evergreen tree. It can reach the height of 50 feet. The tamarisk tree provides shade and a pleasant coolness because at night moisture increases in the cool air. And water vapor adheres to the salt particles that comes out of the branches and the needles and it forms water droplets. Now watch this. In the morning, the tiny water droplets that appear on the thin branches. As the morning sun warms the air, the water droplets evaporate and cool the tree in the shade below. It's called God-engineered air conditioning when you're in the desert. Abraham understands. Yes, it's a risk to plant a tamarisk tree or a whole bunch of groves of trees. It's a risk. But I'm adding to my faith the moral courage to take that risk because he knows the end result of the risk is that he is going to have a refreshing. That when that tamarisk tree grows up, it's going to lead to his soul being air conditioned, his soul being refreshed. As Proverbs says, he who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. He knows that it's a risk, but it's a risk that's going to lead to a refreshing. Some of you, God's asking you to take steps in faith in this community, steps of faith of getting involved in dwelling place, steps of faith in trusting him in relationships at the workplace, in relationships in the community. But when you add to your faith moral courage, you'll take the risk because you see the reward is that it's going to lead to multiplication and though you're giving out and though it takes energy and though it takes time, the risk is going to lead God refreshing you and not just you, but listen, the generations to come because watch this. Carolyn Rawls said, why did Abraham plant a tamarisk tree or a grove of tamarisk trees at Beersheba? The answer could be as simple as Abraham was familiar with living in the high country of Canaan between Bethel and AI, where there were tall trees for shade, coldness, and beauty. Here it is. He wanted to reproduce this environment in his new home. Why is our mission at Dwelling Place Church? To see the multiplication of believers, leaders, and churches? Because we want to see this environment reproduced in new places, places that are like an air condition to people's spirits and people's souls and people's bodies and the heat of this age and the heat of what they're going through and the heat of battle and difficulties and circumstances that the refreshing that we feel when we come in here that that would also be multiplied and provide a place for others to experience the same. Anybody with me this morning? Then you continue on seeing moral risk. 
Genesis 22 and verse 1 and 3, God comes to Abraham and tests him again. Wants to get the substance of the faith that's in his heart to be displayed outwardly as a sign, as a seal. Came to pass after these things, God tested Abraham and said, Abraham, he said, here I am, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Offer him there. The Bible says in verse 3, Abraham rose early in the morning. Notice that he rose early in the morning. You know what that is? That's called moral courage. This is where bravery starts. In fact, it's where it starts for me. If I'm up early in the morning, you know God is up to something in me. Now before you judge me, remember, I'm up long after you go to bed. But listen, this is a lesson for us. A bravery lesson. That the long, Bravery lessens the longer you wait. Notice he got up early and obeyed the Lord. Bravery, though, is strengthened the faster you obey. Some of you, God's spoken to you, and the, the strength of what he's spoken to you is getting lesser and lesser in your soul and mind because you're delaying it. Bravery lessens the longer you delay. But when God speaks, if you get up early, if you prioritize it and do it, it strengthens bravery. But notice bravery isn't the end of it. It says add to bravery, add to a brave man, Abraham, knowledge. Add to moral courage and bravery, knowledge. Add to your faith, moral courage and bravery, and add to your moral courage and bravery, knowledge. Knowledge of what? Here it is. That you're blessed because of the blessing. People see my life. I see my life, and I stand amazed, and I see blessings. Favor from the Lord, a good wife. Healthy children. Home I didn't build. Vineyards I didn't plant. But the blessings is because I'm blessed. Listen to me. It's because of the work of God's Spirit. And God's Spirit on the inside of you. It's because of the gift of righteousness that those blessings are showing up in our lives as believers. Never forget that the blessings are because we're blessed, because we're in right standing with God. And we're in right standing with God not because of our works or because we earn it or because we deserve it or we're smarter than others, but because of Jesus Christ and His finished work. You know what else knowledge you need? That I'm blessed because of Christ. That the blessings in my life, it's because of Christ. It's because God has a covenant. God has a purpose. God has a mission. And I am blessed because of that mission. I'm not blessed just for me. You remember what God told Abraham? I will bless you, but you will be a blessing. That's what I'm trying to get you to understand. You've got to add this knowledge to your faith that you are blessed, but you are blessed to be a blessing. A blessing. That you're blessed because the seed of God is on the inside of you. And the seed Christ on the inside of you has caused some things to submit to His Lordship and Kingship on the outside of you. And He's surrounded you in some areas with favor. He's opened some doors for you that no man can close. He's closed some doors that the enemy was trying to distract you and that no man can open. you got to get the knowledge that you are blessed. And every one of us in here are blessed, especially on a world standard. Financially, homes, vehicles on a world standard, blessed. But listen, we are blessed. I am blessed. You are blessed because of the mission of multiplication. And also you need this knowledge. I am blessed because Christ was broken. It, it, it wasn't haphazardly that these blessings showed up in my life. It wasn't God's silver and gold that caused these blessings to show up in my life, in your life. No, it was Jesus Christ being broken, His back being plowed open, His beard being plucked out, the crown of thorns being beaten to His skull, Him hanging between heaven and earth. I am blessed because Jesus was broken. And it's because of His finished work that the Holy Spirit can now finish this work in me. Listen, you got to add that knowledge to your faith. It's because of His finished work that now the Holy Spirit can finish this work in me of my role in the mission of multiplication. What work? 
Well, the work that you're called to follow in Jesus' footsteps. You're called to take up your cross like Jesus and, and to follow in steps of faith uh, before the Father, Almighty, Everlasting God. That The knowledge that you're to be broken so that others can be blessed. The knowledge that Jesus had to be broken for you to be blessed. And you have to not just be blessed, but you have to be blessed and broken for others to be blessed. I'm blessed, but I need to be broken. Someone say it. I'm blessed, but I need to be broken. You got to add the knowledge that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Also, you want to add to your faith the knowledge that two are better than one, but three are better than two, for a threefold cord's not easily broken. Notice in Genesis 22 and verse 3, when Abraham rose early in the morning and he went to a place that God said, I'll show you, he didn't go by himself just with Isaac. He took two of his young men. He took two of his young men. See, listen, it is easier to take steps of risk when you have others who support and walk with you. It is easier to take steps of risk, steps of faith, steps of trusting God when there's others who support you, encourage you, walking alongside you. But here's the other balance to this. Listen to me. But remember, they can only support you to an extent. You read in the story that once Abraham gets to the place that he must offer Isaac and surrender what he loves to God, that he tells them in Genesis 22 and verse 4, Abraham said to the young men, stay here. And the lad and I will go yonder and worship. See, listen to me. It's better to have people that support you on the journey, but there comes a point where no one can worship but you. There comes a point where no one in the midst of pain, in the midst of difficulty, can lift up their voice and their heart and sing praises to Almighty God. There comes a point where people can't offer what you love to God and surrender and trust. Only you can walk that mountain with your Isaac. Only you can get to that place of dying to what you're trying to hold on to, dying to what you're trying to control to. That only you can get to that place of such an in, in fellowship of the crucifixion of Jesus so that the power of resurrection can explode in that area of your life. Others can't complete in the end what God has commanded you to do. Others can't raise the knife over your Isaac that which you love and surrender to the Lord who raises up one and puts down another. Others can't be broken for you. They can support you, but there comes a point where you have to get in that secret place, just you and the Lord, and you have to allow the cross to be applied to some areas that you experience the death and the fellowship and the suffering of Jesus so His life can explode on the inside of you. Listen, they can't surrender and trust for you you got to pass that test for yourself. You know what happens when you try to get others to pass the test for you? That's called cheating. I see some cheaters. Are there some cheaters over here? Is there some cheaters back there? When you try to get others to pass the test for you, that's called cheating in the method in the school of God. God's calling you to add to your faith moral courage and bravery, the bravery and moral courage, knowledge and then he says, add to knowledge, self-control. See, now such knowledge is now to inform and guide our actions, priorities, and pursuits. The knowledge that I'm blessed because of the mission of multiplication, the knowledge that I'm blessed because Jesus was broken, the knowledge that I'm blessed to be a blessing, that that knowledge should now lead to self-control. It should lead me to prioritize first the kingdom, prioritize His mission, prioritize His calling and how He wants to leverage my job, my family, my children, my home, my vehicle, the resources He's given me for His glory. It should lead to self-control and personal leadership in my life. Watch this, the self-control to stay fixed on Jesus. The self-control to stay in pursuit. Because listen to me, if you will continue in pursuit, you will possess. Listen. Pursue and possess. Don't pursue, don't possess. But I'm pursuing to add to my faith and the self-control to keep pursuing him, even when things get difficult. Because you got to add to moral courage, knowledge, and you got to add to knowledge, pursuit. Because listen, next he says, add to your pursuit, perseverance. Don't just pursue off the starting block in the race. Don't just pursue out of the, uh, out of the gate when things are good. You have to add to your pursuit, perseverance. And you know what perseverance means? It means not just to endure, because that's one thing, brother. It means to endure hardships cheerfully. 
to cheerfully endure. Joyfully, why? Because you understand this is the method God's leading me on because I'm blessed, but I'm blessed, but I need to be broken so that the life on the inside of me can get on the outside of me and be a blessing to a lot of people. You want to know who normally has the greatest marriage ministries? Believers that are blessed, but it's they were blessed and broken. They've been through some stuff. And God broke them and then in that area of surrender and trust in the hard part, in the difficult times, they kept pursuing Him. They kept persevering joyfully saying, God, I know this isn't the end. This isn't what you've called us to, to live like this. And the perseverance paid off. And now their ministry and their marriage blesses multitudes. God wants to do the same in you. Maybe it's the single moms. Maybe it's the college athletes, maybe it's the new people in the city, maybe it's the uh, businessmen. God wants to do it. But it takes perseverance. Perseverance. Things are difficult, but I'm in pursuit. I'm going to endure in pursuit. And watch this, I'm laughing as I pursue, persevere. Why? Because I know that no weapon formed against me shall prevail nor prosper. I know that if I keep pursuing the promiser, then the promise is sure and certain. Does anybody know today that if you'll keep pursuing the promise that the one who promised it will make it sure and certain? In Genesis 18, 1, it says, Then the Lord appeared to him by the terebinth trees of Mamre as he was sitting in the tent door of the heat of the day. I love that. I'm hot, but I'm still sitting in the tent door. I feel the heat of the day. I feel the heat of the season. I feel the heat of the tempter. I feel the heat of what I'm facing in circumstance, but I'm still in my place of prayer. I'm still in the tent. I'm still pursuing His presence. I'm still pursuing His heart. I'm still pursuing His mind. Yes, it's hot. Yes, the day in the heat of the day is hitting me, but I am still sitting in my tent of prayer at the door pursuing. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Am I preaching to myself? If you don't know, then this is, you're right in, you're about to know if you want to get to multiplication. Because this is the method. <laughs> if I don't pursue, I don't possess. But if I do pursue, I do possess. If I don't persevere in pursuit, I don't possess. But if I do persevere in pursuit, I do possess. I have a role to add to my faith. I got to persevere in my commitments. Is this works? No! It's your steps of faith. It's your faith in Him. Then he says... To perseverance, godliness. Godliness, brotherly kindness. And the brotherly kindness, love. Do you know often the difference between who actually perseveres in pain is dependent on if their pursuit is actually God and to be like Him, godly? You don't want to know the difference between people that are blessed but become blessed and more broken versus those that are just blessed and stop pursuing? I'll tell you the difference. It's those that are blessed and become broken and don't stop pursuing until the end goal of God's high calling is this. They are pursuing God from the very beginning and to be like God. They're not pursuing comfort. They're not pursuing what the world can offer. They're not pursuing things that this age offers. Ultimately, their heart is pursuing Almighty God and to be like Jesus. And therefore, there is no fire that can stop them. There is no flood that can stop them because their pursuit is not based on convenience and being comfortable. It is a pursuit that is after God. David went through some stuff, but because he had a heart after God that couldn't stop his pursuit. He said, oh, there's some things that's trying to stop it, but take not the Holy Spirit from me. To be godly. You know why? You know why that's the difference? Because to be godly, you have to persevere. I mean, think about it. I wonder if our Lord and our King that we look to, who's whose steps were called to follow him. Wonder if when he got to the moment of like literally taking up the full application of trusting the Father, that his life is not his own, the application of taking up the cross. Wonder if when he got to that moment, he said, Father, I persevered 33 years. But you know these last couple moments and days, Lord, I, I finished my race, I'm done. Will you take me out? Did he feel that? Yeah, because he's human like us. 
Do you feel that? Do you hear those thoughts? And when it's hot, absolutely. But Jesus got to the place even in the heat of the moment. He got in the place in the tent of prayer in the garden where his pursuit for God and his will was so great and to be godly that he got to the place where for the joy set before him, he embraced the cross. How difficult it would be to follow our King and Lord if we know when he got to that place of the cross. They said, no, I'm done pursuing. But today you serve a King. He's got a helper, the Holy Spirit, here and on the inside of you. That whatever cross, whatever step of faith, whatever circumcision, whatever He's trying to cut out of you depending on yourself, that He's got the Holy Spirit, the helper, to give you the grace for you to add to your faith some moral courage, to moral courage, some knowledge. The knowledge, self-control, and self-control, godliness. Because you'll have to persevere, and Jesus persevered to the end. See, a perseverance is not needed for what we naturally enjoy. I didn't persevere to the end of my baseball career because I love playing baseball. We don't need perseverance for what we naturally enjoy. I don't persevere watching Kentucky basketball be winners. I enjoy that. No, we have to persevere in what we naturally don't enjoy. To persevere in that which is hard, that which is narrow, that which is difficult. But because to be godly, we must be broken. And to bless many according to God's will, we must be broken. How many remember the feeding of the thousands? In Matthew 14 and 17, as the gospel writer Matthew talks about it, it Jesus was told, we have here only five loaves and two fish. He said, bring them here to me. Then he commanded the multitudes, watch this, to sit down on the grass. He took the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he blessed and he broke. He gave the loaves to the disciples and the disciples gave to the multitudes and they all ate and they all were filled and they took up 12 baskets full of fragments. Those who had eaten were about 5,000 men besides the women and the children. Listen, the blessing of God upon your life, the blessing invites the hand of God to break you. God, I'm your child. God, you, you forgave me. God, you made me righteous. God, you gave me the joy of salvation. Why, God, now am I being broken? Why am I walking through things I never thought I would walk through? God, why are you causing me to wander and take steps of trust and faith where i got to surrender these things that I love? Because, child, I need you not just blessed. I need you blessed and broken for my mission of multiplication. There's multitudes around you, child. Son, daughter, there's multitudes. And... The only way the multitudes can be fed is not just when I have children that are blessed because Christ was broken, but people that follow in the Lord's footsteps, children who follow in the Lord's footsteps who are blessed but become broken so that they can be a blessing to many. The disciples before the miracle, they wanted to send the multitude away. I wonder if that is because they wanted to be blessed but not be blessed and broken. I wonder if there's people today and you wouldn't acknowledge it, you wouldn't intentionally really do it, but you're pushing away, adding to your faith some moral courage and the method of God and some knowledge and some self-control and some perseverance and some godliness. And what we do and what we're doing when we do that is we're actually pushing the multitudes away from us. When the life of Christ on the inside of you, when you're not just blessed, but you're blessed and broken, it can live through you to be a blessing to multitudes. Some of you, it's hard for you to equate because you think of me here with the mic and you multitude there and you think I'm blessed to be a blessing to multitudes. This doesn't equate to me. And that's right. Because the way God has called you to be a blessing to the multitudes is not the same way He's necessarily called me. Listen to me. Christ in each one of us, when we're broken, can live through us for multiplication. The blessing breaks you so that more can be blessed. 
You haven't been broken until you've been in situations when you were good as dead. Jesus made it clear in John 12, 24, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. See, the life's on the inside of you. Christ is on the inside of you. He'll do it. But He can't get on the outside of you if the shell's not broken. The shell represents your natural dependency, your flesh, your own ability. you got to be blessed and broken so that the life of Christ can flow out and multiply people through a business that He'll lead you to start, through a creative engineering idea that He'll lead you to patent, to a, to a place at your work where your character and your kindness influences the multitudes that come in, that you have to not just be blessed, but blessed and broken. You're not fully broken until you've withheld nothing from the Lord. There's no area where His actual Lordship has not been applied. There's no Isaac. There's nothing that you love before Him. It's not money. It's not houses. It's not even your wife and your children. It's not your, your own ability and natural talents. It's not your passions and pursuits. That all of that has been surrendered. Nothing's been withheld. You're fully broken when the Lordship of Christ has been applied in every area of our life. You're not fully broken until you've been between a rock and a hard place where you couldn't control and manipulate the people or the situation. You're not fully broken until you have the bit of the Lord in your mouth and He turns it wherever He pleases. I love this because in Genesis 22 and 12, God said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him. For watch this, for now I know that you fear God since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. I know now by proving, I know now by evaluation, I know now by testing, I know now by your performance, which is your steps of faith, that you fear God, that you are broken, Abraham, that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And what's awesome is the very next chapter in Genesis 22 and 3. Abraham's wife Sarah has died. He's speaking to people. He says, I'm a foreigner. I'm a visitor among you. And I need some property for a burial place among you that I may bury my dead out of my sight. And they answered Abraham and said, Hear us, Lord. You are a mighty prince among us. Bury the dead in the choices of our burial places. Watch this. None of us will withhold from you his burial place. Bury your dead. Is it not interesting that when Abraham had a need related to God's plan for him, that the answer was not withheld from him because he had withheld nothing from God? You want to talk about walking in the kingdom, experiencing the supernatural hand and provision of God? Abraham, when he had a need for God's mission, nothing was withheld from it because he had withheld nothing from God. I'm being stirred. I believe by the Lord to believe for a dwelling place movement retreat center. That God is positioning for the long-term time vision, long-term vision of what He's called us to, that He desires there to be a burial place for His dwelling place. A place where pastors and leaders and missionaries, and a place that we can take those in growth faces to go and get a retreat. And, and experience the transformation, the formation that they've learned in the classroom setting. That there's a place that we can go and bury the things that weigh us down on the race that God's called us to. A burial place for God's dwelling place. If God creates faith in you, I encourage you to join me in prayers. Walk this path. Step of faith. 50 acres with multiple cabins on it people can go. Two out of ten leaders finish and finish well. It's not God's heart. We can follow along with this heart and make a difference. Peter then ends as we conclude. He says, but if these things, the things that you're to add to your faith, if they abound, you'll be fruitful. You'll, you'll, you'll not be useless in the work of what Jesus is doing on the earth today. And on that day, there's going to be an entrance into the kingdom where you're going to see the abundance of the rewards from the risk of steps of faith you took. 
And I'm going to tell you to have such an entrance, you must be not just blessed, but blessed and broken. The question that we conclude today with is, are you going to be a barren and unfruitful knower? Are you going to be an abundantly multiplied doer? Because there is no other choice. Faith does. Faith is attitude. Faith leads to outward fruit, outward display of our trust, the reality that Jesus is Lord, that we withhold nothing from Him, that we're all eyes and ears, that when He speaks, we're quick to obey so that our moral courage that we need to add to our faith that He's created doesn't lessen, that we give the knowledge, keep it in our conscience, that we're blessed to be a blessing, that He blessed us because of His mission, that we allow that to drive us to self-control, that we pursue when it's hot, we persevere in our pursuit, that we allow Christ and His godliness to be formed. Don't forget today that you're blessed to be a blessing. And it might be a narrow way, the method of God, but it's a way that leads to an abundant entrance before our King. God's called you to abundance. Jesus said, I've given you life, but I want that life to become abundant, abundantly displayed in fruitfulness. And some of you might feel like a Gideon. You might feel like an Abram. You might feel like a Moses, but I'm telling you, when God looks at you, He sees in the faith that He's created in you that there's the substance to add to that faith, these things. Why don't we stand to our feet? I want to encourage you to close your eyes as they begin to sing. I want you to make a prayer, and I want you to talk right now to the everlasting God about what He's spoken to you. Maybe it's a place of surrender. Maybe it's about pursuit. But I want you to do what only you can do, and that's to draw near to that throne of grace and to let the Lord of grace and the King of the kingdom minister to you. Again, thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at www.dwellingplacemovement.org.